What About It Pro Wrestling fans, and welcome back to another episode of What About Wrestling. I'm your host, Dylan Roberts, and on today's episode, we're going to be giving a preview of Night of Champions, as well as some other rumors and speculation on what is going on in the wild world of professional wrestling. I'm excited to be here today, guys. I want to start off by saying, if you're not following us on all of our social media platforms, please do so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at WA Wrestling Pod. WA Wrestling Pod. As well as you can find us on TikTok, Facebook, anywhere else that's got social media, you can find us. It's just What About Wrestling Pod. And uh, yeah, guys. I'm excited for the show today. Before we get started on the Night of Champions preview, I just want to talk on a few things doing uh, going on in the world of AEW. AEW has been rolling pretty well here lately. Their viewership numbers are still pretty consistent as to where they have been, which are not great, but also not bad. And they have now signed a new contract with Warner Brothers Discovery. And also, they're going to be debuting a new show on Saturday nights called AEW Collision. AEW Collision, there's rumors as to what the show is actually going to be. Are they going to have a hard brand split between, you know, have two separate rosters the way that WWE has been trying to do and consistently failing at over the years? Are they going to try to do something like that? Is it just going to be another television show? Will it be like another Rampage where it's not getting the viewership that it should be getting? Um, Nobody really knows, but we do know that AEW is going to put a heavy emphasis on this show, and that's going to start on June 17th. And we're thinking, most people logically are thinking, it's at the United Center in Chicago. What happened the last time they were there when Rampage debuted? CM Punk showed up to kick off the show. And the CM Punk era of AEW began. It would lead you to believe that CM Punk is coming back to AEW. The backstage rumors are that the deal is final. They finally figured out how they're going to bring CM Punk back in. And Ace Steel is not coming with him. It's unfortunate that things went down the way that they did. And I am, again, one of the biggest CM Punk haters in the history of all of professional wrestling over time. I've come to understand his stance a little bit more. And while I don't agree with the way that he acted, I understand where he was coming from. I understand why he was so frustrated. Again, I don't agree with much of it. I kind of take the stance of just being a good employee and doing your job and minding your own business. But things didn't go that way for CM Punk. And it's, uh, it's interesting. We'll see what goes on with CM Punk. We'll see how everything transpires going forward. Maybe he didn't sign a new contract with AEW. We don't really know. But speculation and circumstances would lead you to believe that he is coming back. It will be on June 17th with the Collision Show that's kicking off their debut episode from the United Center. Again, I am excited for AEW. I'm happy for them. I don't watch their show regularly. We went over that. That's why I've quit covering it on the podcast because I don't want to just sit here and you know, fake it. I don't want to fake like I'm watching their show, but I do want AEW to be successful. I do want them to have a long, I want them to go on forever. I want them to be a long standing show. I want them to have great success. 
And I want the fans of AEW to have a place to go where they can watch wrestling and they can enjoy it. Because if the WWE product is not for them, I am excited that they have something they can hold on to. And I would say, I would guess that most AEW fans will be excited for CM Punk to return. So that's the AEW stuff out of the way. Um, you know, I don't think there's any more left to say. I don't think there's any more information on the Wembley show. And again, I don't watch their weekly podcast or their weekly shows, so I don't want to go ahead and just dive right into them. So I think that's the end of that. Let's go ahead and jump straight into the WWE. And before we get into the Night of Champions preview, I want to talk on some things. The first thing, sorry, I just dropped my phone. That's what that noise was. The first thing I want to talk about is the draft situation. Now, when the draft situation came about and we started talking about it on the podcast, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people frown on the WWE drafts. They frown on the brand split in WWE because the WWE, frankly, rarely ever sticks to their promise on the draft. They draft these people to these brands and then within weeks, they're back on the other brand and they're crisscrossing back and forth. Well, you guessed it. It's already happening. You've got the tag team champions who were drafted to Raw. They're all of a sudden showing up on SmackDown, which I understand they're the SmackDown tag team champions, so yes, they should go over there some, but that's not the way that it should work. I mean, I don't understand why there's crisscrossing in brands. You have Paul Heyman, who is on the SmackDown show, crisscrossing coming over to Raw, it's kind of never-ending. Raquel Rodriguez was scheduled to be a Raw participant, and she's been going over to SmackDown. Again, she's the women's tag team champions. There's only one set of them. I understand why that's the case. you got Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler coming over to Raw. It, it just None of it is making sense, and we're only a couple weeks in. Why are we doing this? And don't get me even started. I already went on my big tangent last week and the week before about the SmackDown competitors being involved in the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. I don't want to continue to hound on this, but hopefully once Night of Champions is done, this crisscrossing of brand stuff will go away. If the WWE wants people to start taking their draft seriously, they have to quit doing this. Um, Just from my perspective as a fan who blindly watches WWE for the most part, It's become so frustrating to me that while I'm watching their weekly shows, it's almost all I can think about. When Paul Heyman kicks off Raw, it's almost all I can think about whenever he's out there cutting his promo. So yeah, to say that I am tired of the flip-flopping back and forth on brands would be an understatement. And to tip it all off, you now have at Night of Champions, you're going to have your champion who possesses two of your top belts, he's going to be challenging your tag team champions now who are on a different brand. Again, I just don't know how much sense any of this makes. And because I don't understand how much sense any of it makes, it's giving, it's making it hard for me to enjoy what I'm watching on television. I know that may not make a ton of sense to some of you because some of you are probably just saying, dude, just watch the show. It doesn't matter which brand they're on or or where they're at on a weekly basis. But to me, it does. Because why even have the draft if you're going to do this? So that's my final point on that. We'll get more into the whole tag team championship match at Night of Champions when we get to it. 
But I just wanted to say that, talk about the draft a little bit more because it has already gotten incredibly wonky. Nothing about it is making sense. I mean, you only have a percentage of your roster staying where they're supposed to stay. And you've got these free agents that are popping in and out. Now one of them's getting a title opportunity. Another one of them has a main event, one of the three main event matches at Night of Champions. He's got one of those matches, which again, I've, I've said before, I can justify Brock Lesnar being a free agent. But Mustafa, Mustafa Ali, I can't. So I don't know. I don't want to keep hounding on this, but it is incredibly frustrating to me. Because I said on this podcast a few weeks ago about why the draft is important and why I think it'll be a good thing for the WWE. And a lot of those things had to do with keeping the rosters separate, and they're just not doing that. Another thing I want to talk about right now is my fantasy booking that I've done on the last podcast, how incredibly accurate I was. And I want to give myself a quick pat on the back is what I'm wanting to do right now. I'm going to run through a couple of these things. Some of them were obvious, but some of them were totally out of left field, and the WWE has already started capitalizing on them. One of the things I said was that AJ was going to win the SmackDown side of the tournament to face Seth Rollins and Night of Champions. That happened. Another thing that I suggested was a tag title tournament, and I listed off several matches that I wanted to be a part of that tournament. Now, while WWE never said there was a tournament, they did start on these matches. The matches that took place the very next week, mind you, were Elton Prince and Kit Wilson from Pretty Deadly taking on Ridge Holland and Butch. That match happened. The Usos ended up challenging Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. That match happened. Another one that didn't necessarily happen, I said I said that Gunther was going to face Matt Riddle at Night of Champions. Now, that is not happening. But what did happen in the battle royal to decide who was going to face Gunther at Night of Champions, before the match started and during the match, and even this week on Raw, Gunther and Matt Riddle have started a bit of a feud. So I think the WWE has a tendency to do this. They've done it with Mansoor for a little while now, and it looks like they're doing it with Mustafa Ali, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Mustafa Ali but sometimes they like to appeal to the crowd they're going to see, if that makes any sense. Now, that sounds totally wrong to say, but it has been a proven fact. When WWE goes to Mexico, guess who's on top? A Hispanic person. When they went to, uh, even when they went to Puerto Rico, who was your top matches? You had Damian Priest there, who's Puerto Rican. You had Zelina Vega, who has Puerto Rican background. You had Bad Bunny, who's Puerto Rican. It's just what they do. I mean, and I'm, I I know that that's probably, it feels wrong to say. I know it, it it is wrong to say, but it's what they do. And I wanted to point that out because I think Matt Riddle is Gunther's first feud on Raw. And Mustafa Ali is getting the chance at Night of Champions, and then he's going to fall to the background. He's going to lose. He's going to fall to the background. Another match that I said was going to happen at Night of Champions, Rhea Ripley and Natalia. that's going down. Another match that I said was going to happen, but I didn't want to happen, and I was hoping they were going to hold it off, Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. So we can already see that the WWE has been listening to my podcast and taking my advice. No, I'm playing. It is funny, though. It is funny. I don't know if it's from me watching WWE for so many years and just knowing the next move they're going to make, even though they have somebody completely different and creative, 
or if pro wrestling just has this formula that everybody knows or what the deal is. But for me to be able to call out all of that is a little, it's a little absurd if we're being honest. One other thing I want to note before we jump right into this Night of Champions preview is that Seth Rollins has apparently been on set of the new Captain America film, and I guess he's going to be in the movie. He's missed Raw the past couple weeks. The video packages they've been doing for him, and for everybody for that matter, they've been doing video packages for people who are debuting from NXT. Um, they don't want for Apollo Crews and um, JD McDonough. They've done one for Seth Rollins now. They've done one for AJ Styles. They've been very, very great. But Seth Rollins has not been at Raw, and his video packages where he's talking about what he expects to be as the new world heavyweight champion and his career leading up to this point and what he thinks about Roman Reigns, all of that has been an absolute masterpiece. So if you haven't been watching the weekly shows and you want to go back and watch something, I highly recommend at least watching these video packages. Raw and SmackDown the past few weeks has not been a ton to write home about outside of the um, the matches, the qualifying matches for the Night of Champions match for the World Heavyweight Championship. But those video packages have been excellent. Another thing that it was excellent on SmackDown since I've talked to you guys was I was actually there. I took my daughter to watch SmackDown in Knoxville. That's only about three and a half, four hours away from where I live. Was the Usos, was the Bloodline segment where the Usos were pretty much told from Roman Reigns that they don't amount to much. And we can see the cracks forming in the bloodline. And we're going to get a little bit more into that as we talk about the card for Night of Champions. But I wanted to address those things. We'll go ahead and jump straight into the Night of Champions card. As I mentioned, Seth Rollins is facing AJ Styles for the inaugural World Heavyweight Championship. I guess technically it's not inaugural because they did say that this title is going to carry the lineage that was ended by Randy Orton in 2013. 13, I think it was, or 2014, whenever Randy unified the titles and it just became the WWE Championship. It's going to go back and have that heritage all the way back to 2002 whenever Triple H was handed the belt the first time. So it's going to be, it's, it's interesting because that title to me as a kid was number two, right? And a lot of fans have said that that title is still going to be number two based off the situation with Roman Reigns. I think that Seth Rollins wins this match. I don't see how you don't let Seth Rollins win this match. And that is not just me fanboying for him right here. I think that Seth Rollins gives that title the feeling of not being second tier. Because he is the only person that Roman Reigns has not beaten. So if Roman is holding those titles vacant, you know, or if he's holding those titles hostage... Seth Rollins possessing the new World Heavyweight Championship. Roman's never beat him. So if you want to make that title feel important, put it on somebody that Roman couldn't beat. Roman had to get disqualified to get away from Seth Rollins. So I think putting the title on Seth does the title good. It does Seth good. It won't hurt AJ. So all things are well in that. Let me tell you guys how good this match is going to be, though. This may be, and I've said this about, I think, three or four matches since I've been doing this podcast, and this is week 10, but a couple of those matches were WrestleMania matches, so, I mean, you do get a uh, a little overboard on those, but this may be the match of the year. As far as just a pure wrestling match is concerned, this may be the one. 
I mean, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, two of the best that the pro wrestling world has to offer right now and possibly ever. I've always put AJ Styles up there with Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair as being one of the greatest in-ring performers of all time. And then you guys know how I feel about Seth Rollins. You can't get any better than Seth Rollins. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun, fun match. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of up and down. And I think that we're going to get a good, clean finish that hopefully ends the show at Night of Champions. I'm, I'm hoping this this one goes on last. And you see Seth Rollins swinging that new World Heavyweight Championship around his head as the show goes off the air. The next match that I want to talk about here is Bianca Belair and Asuka. Now, you guys know how down on this match I was heading into WrestleMania. I was just not excited for this one. I didn't think that it deserved a bunch of hype. I knew that they were going to kill it, but I just thought, man, this is just, I don't know. It's The build is terrible. It's not going to be that exciting. The match ended up being pretty good, but it wasn't, I don't know if it deserved the WrestleMania shine, if that makes any sense. Now, coming into this match, we finally got a little bit more storyline. Asuka has gone full-blown heel. She sprayed Bianca with the mist. We have some storyline here, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Bianca Belair retains. One of the things that I messed up on my fantasy booking was saying that Io Shirai, or Io Sky now, is going to be the person to challenge Bianca. It turned out to not be the case, but only because, in my opinion, Dakota Kai has torn her ACL. So we'll see what happens with the SmackDown Women's Division going forward. Does Bailey just turn on EO by herself, or how does any of that go? We'll see what goes down there. The next match that I want to talk about on the card at Night of Champions is a match that I said I don't want to happen, but guess what? It's going down anyways. It's Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Now, don't be expecting a Matt Classic from these ladies. I do think that they're going to do a good job, but I don't think that it's going to be anything to write home about. I don't think that you're going to be hanging on the edge of your seat wondering what's about to happen. I think it's going to be a solid match between two great performers, two of the greatest of all time in WWE. But let's be honest, this story has a long way to go. This is not the end of this story. So we're probably not going to see anything too wild or too out of character in this match. I think you let Trish Stratus pick up the win here. Becky Lynch takes a defeat. Not a clean one. I don't think this match ends very clean, but I do think that Trish picks up the win here. We're going to also talk about this SmackDown Women's Championship, which is technically, I mean, it's technically the SmackDown Women's Championship, but it's for the Raw. It's on Raw, however you want to word this. It's Rhea Ripley and Natalya. Again, I love Natalya. Her legacy speaks for itself. She's got the most wins in the history of WWE Women's Division. But her days, her better days are behind or yeah, behind her. You know, she's just not what she once was. And I think that the division has kind of just outgrown her. People can compete at a much higher level than what she competes. It feels terrible saying that because Natalia means so much to the history of the women's division. But she's just not what she once was. And the women's division is just not what it once was. Rhea Ripley should get a dominant, dominant, dominant win here. I think that she should just run straight through Natalia. This should be the end of this rivalry. 
And, you know, that's about as simple as I can make it. Rhea Ripley needs to pick up a quick, clean win here. No cheating, no judgment day. Just defeat Natalia and keep it rolling. The Intercontinental Championship match between Gunther and Mustafa Ali is going to go down at Saudi and... I do expect this to be a good one. I expect Gunther to just bump Ali all over the ring. Ali is very good at that. He can take a beating. He can fly around. He can make Gunther look like a million bucks while also getting himself over a little bit more. I think that this is a spot kind of like what we were talking about for Zelina Vega going into Backlash. I think that's this spot for Mustafa Ali. I think that he can come in and shine his star a little bit brighter and maybe start getting one of those pushes he's been begging for on social media for all these years. So, again, I think Gunther should win here. It's looking like this card is so straightforward that it's kind of sad. I think that's a lot of what's wrong with this card for me. I'm not incredibly interested in this pay-per-view this weekend. Of course, I'm going to watch it afterwards because I'll be at work while it's going down. But I think that this card spells out obvious too much. Now, in years past, and even at WrestleMania this year, whenever things are just too obvious, the WWE will throw you a swerve and make you feel different about it. But I think that a lot of these matches should just go the way that they're supposed to go. Keep them interesting, but don't do too much. And get out of here alive and head into Money in the Bank. Now, the next match on the card, again, I feel like this one's just too obvious. You have Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. I don't see any world in which Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens don't win here. I think that they should definitely win and keep their tag title reign going. I don't want to see Roman Reigns with 47 belts here. I think it would be awesome to see him with 47 belts, but I don't think that this is the time or the place to make that happen. I don't see how they're ever going to break Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens up. But this is not the spot. This is not the spot for Roman Reigns to hold the tag titles. I see you bring the Usos down, have them interrupt in the match, trying to help uh, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, and end up costing them the match. And Solo eats a pin here, and then you keep it moving and go on down the line, and then continue this bloodline story. The third and final made event match on this card, and the last match that we have to talk about is Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. This story has taken a turn for the worst for me. I've lost quite a bit of interest in this storyline, and most of that happened because of what went down this past Monday. I don't see how... I get it, okay? You're trying to put Cody Rhodes in this hard time spot. Challenging Brock Lesnar is enough of that. You don't have to say, well, Brock Lesnar broke his arm or anything like that. You don't have to make that the story here. I think that putting Cody Rhodes against Brock Lesnar for the second time and having it being a very... I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Brock can come down and beat the hell out of Cody, but breaking his arm, that's the point where it, the story took a turn for the worse for me big time. Because yes... Cody beat Seth Rollins with a torn peck, which I don't think done Seth Rollins a whole lot of favors. Having him beat Brock Lesnar with a broken arm makes zero sense. Brock Lesnar is the baddest dude in the WWE. He is a shoot fighter. He is an absolute maniac of a human being. 
he is, I don't know how Pat McAfee used to word it, something about like if the aliens came down and we had to fight them, we'd send Brock Lesnar first. That's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar's not a guy that you have, you know, Cody's not a huge guy. He's what, 220? He's like 6'3", 220? That's not a huge human being. He should have a tough enough time beating Brock Lesnar whenever he's healthy. Don't have him beat Brock Lesnar with a broken arm. Brock Lesnar should run through Cody here. And I don't know I don't know if they hold this match off till SummerSlam, the rubber match off till SummerSlam. I hope not because I want to see something else out of Cody. You know, one of my plans is for next week on the show to talk about Cody Rhodes not being the one to defeat Roman Reigns. You know, I've been on and on and on and on and on about Cody being the guy to beat Roman Reigns. Next week, I want to talk about Cody Rhodes not being the guy. And who is the guy to beat Roman Reigns? But if they're going to get to that point at SummerSlam, if Cody's going to win the money in the bank and he's going to get to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, then you can't have this Brock thing go on any further. So that would mean Cody would have to win here. So I don't know what they're doing exactly, but I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm going to watch. I think that this match could be good. It could be great. But they're going to have to do a lot of work inside of that squared circle for me to get back positive on this storyline. It's a real shame because these are two of my favorites. My first, probably my second favorite wrestler whenever I was a kid. You know, I went through the phase where Shawn Michaels was my favorite. And then I got a little bit older and Brock Lesnar had debuted and he was my favorite. And then it went to John Cena and so on. But I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan is what I'm getting at there. Brock's a bad dude. He's incredible. Cody's one of my current favorites. I should be in love with this storyline. I should be coming on this podcast talking about how great this storyline is. But instead, I'm sitting here having to tell you guys or ask you guys, how do they get out of this scenario? How does WWE get away from this? This storyline should have ended with this match. Now that Cody's going in with a supposed broken arm, I don't know what to do. Because I don't think Cody should beat Brock here. But I also still think that this should be the end of this feud. I don't know what they do or how they get there. Chances are they're going to have Cody beat Brock while he's got a broken arm. And that's going to piss me off. And I'm going to come on this podcast and I'm going to complain about it. Even though my big mission whenever I started this podcast was to not complain about wrestling. (sighs) Man. It's so frustrating. And I apologize that you guys had to hear me rant on it a little bit. But I've given you predictions for who's going to win every one of these matches. And I don't have a prediction for this. If you put a gun to my head and told me I had to pick, I'd say Brock Lesnar. But I don't want to see the storyline go any farther. I'm over it. It's taken a turn for the worst. And I think that the Cody Rhodes story and the Brock Lesnar story should split and live to fight another day. That's all I have for you guys this week. I know it was a short episode, but I just wanted to go over some highlights of what's been going on in the world of wrestling and cover this Night of Champions card. On next week's show, we will be talking about the review of this Night of Champions card, as well as everything that's going on. And also, I think we're going to talk about Cody Rhodes not being the guy to beat Roman Reigns. What does that mean for Cody Rhodes? And what does that mean for the rest of the WWE roster? Who is the guy? 
I want to hear you guys chime in on social media and let me know who you think the guy should be to beat Roman Reigns and end his over 1,000-day streak of being the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Follow me on social media at WA Wrestling Pod or What About Wrestling Podcast. You will find me no matter what you search in those two categories. I'm, I'm excited, guys. Wrestling is picking up still. It's going up more and more every day. AEW continues to gain steam. WWE is going to continue to gain even more steam as we head down the road to SummerSlam. And Money in the Bank is in the middle of that, and we know how much chaos that causes. So chime in on social media, like I said, guys. We'll see you guys next week when we're covering the Cody Rhodes story and the Roman Reigns story and how maybe they do not intertwine anymore. So, what about wrestling?